0: Doubled, I walk the street. Though we are no longer in the commander's compound, there are large houses here also. In front of one of them, a guardian is mowing the lawn. Hello and welcome to the Of Cast, A Handmaid's Tale Reader. I'm your host, Elsie Egerman.
1: And I'm your host, Max Mariner.
0: And this week we're talking about Chapter 5. It's a really great chapter. I'm very excited. It really excited. is.
1: This is easily my favorite so far.
0: Yeah, same here. Um, so, Max, you want to summarize the chapter?
1: You got it. Offred goes to two stores, goes to the town square, and runs into some <sighs> tourists.
0: Well, she also, she also sees Janine in one of the stores.
1: Yeah, yeah. She also sees a pregnant woman. Yes. <laughs> Again, okay, I, I feel like I'm doing like, the same joke with every episode. Like, look at how little things happen. But, like, what's cool is that the story is actually very simple, but it's dense with detail and, like, and imagery. That's what makes it fun. Like, it's, yeah, know?
0: no. This is actually a very eventful chapter.
1: Yeah. Like, when I was growing up in high school... One of my friends, one of the movies I really liked watching was Tron, the original one. And one of <laughs> my friends always had a saying. He's like, it's a movie where nothing happens. And it made me realize, that's dumb. The idea that nothing <laughs> happens just because, like, not like not because we go enough places, that we, we say enough words. Like, the idea that a narrative must have a certain amount of stuff, like a, like, a certain amount of visible shaking in order to elicit some kind of response is dumb. This proves that.
0: Yeah. I, I think this is sort of the the first time that we really get to see Gilead as like a, a environment. Um, yeah, we've he we finally left the house, and now we're walking down the street. We get to see what's what's on the street,
1: which is then magnified at the end of the chapter. Um, oh yeah, yeah. We get which... to see
0: other people seeing Alfred.
1: Oh, I am so. I've so Elsie, I have so many questions. So many questions about the ending of this chapter. Because, like, in just what it means, what it says, like, about everything going on in this book.
0: So do you want to start there, or do you want to start at the beginning of the chapter?
1: Nah, we should probably start at the beginning. I've heard that's a pretty good place to start.
0: I Um, mean, you know, it's The Handmaid's Tale. It jumps around. We can jump around, too.
1: Why don't I start off with my favorite bit? We'll go in opposite order. I want to go with my favorite thing that happens in this chapter. Okay. There is, uh, at one point, right when we're starting the chapter, um, Offred's talking about avoiding cracks and, like, thinking about, like, her, she, one of the things I like about Offred is that her trail of thought is, like, weird, but super approachable. Yeah. Like, it reminds me a lot of, um, how characters in movies and, like, like, how characters in other shows just kind of, like, lay out their thoughts, just kind of, like, on the table, and it's not so much like dumped on you as it is just kind of like spread out in such a way where you're like, alright, I get it. I understand that. Yeah,
0: I I feel like you can you, you sort of walk through her thoughts with her.
1: Yeah. And I also really appreciate how she uses the most basic stuff to be like to say important stuff. This is what I do when people like give give me uh flack for sometimes. For example, when she begins a paragraph with I think a lot about laundromats what I wore to them, shorts, jeans, jogging pants, what I put into them, my own clothes, my own soap, my own money, money I earned myself. I think about having such control. Like, where else am I going to find a genuine uh, sadness for a lack of control than through the analogy of a laundromat?
0: Yeah, I I think this is sort of the, the real loss of freedom that we see here. Um... I remember when I first read the book, I started feeling very grateful for my ability to walk to the train home from school Mm -hmm. and just be by myself and I can go to a corner store and buy a soda and that level of like freedom. I'm sorry, Elsie.
1: That's just too much control. We will. Yeah. Your actions will lead to the downfall of society. I mean,
0: it's, 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 it's totally freedom that we we all take for granted, Um, Yeah. But but it is freedom.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had a similar th- up uh, like upbringing in high school where I would just like I could walk home and I could just walk to you know walk downtown and just like be at my own will. Do yeah. you know make my, make my now in your case it's a bit more uh, aligned with Offred's experience because of you know. <laughs> but like in, you know, just the idea of control, the idea of choosing, autonomy, it's a really important thing to me, and, like, just, it it influences, like, my politics, my, like, views on art and everything, and when, and as I was joking about earlier, when Aunt Lydia tells Offred we were a society dying of too much choice, it makes me realize just how utterly destroyed this world really is.
0: Yeah, well, not, well... I, I absolutely love the line, um, there's more than one kind of freedom, said Aunt L- Lydia. Freedom to and freedom from. In the days of anarchy, it was freedom to. Now you're being given freedom from. Don't underrate it. I think it's possibly mm, like Aunt yeah. Lydia's like most iconic line. Um, and I, I think it's sort of the epitome of her repackaging of Gilead. Um, and I think one of the great parts of this bit is this is, to best of my knowledge, I might have forgotten things from earlier chapters, but I think this is the first call-out we see of um, feminists in the book. Because uh, you, you hmm. have the whole part where um, uh, after she talks about the control of being able to go to the laundromat, she talks about how now we walk along the same street in red pairs. No man shouts obscenity at us, speaks to us, touches us, no one whistles. And before she talks about the laundromat, she talks about how women were not protected then. Um, that yeah, the, that second wave feminists were very much allying themselves with the the Christian right in the like sort of we need to stop these sinful lustful men mm-hmm. and create this society that, that in which women are protected. Um, and yeah. this is this is very much Atwood being like, yeah, don't do that, guys.
1: I mean, look, we. Every movement does have its, uh. Have its knocks. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, it's sort
0: of it's, its strange bedfellows, as it were. Um,
1: yeah. Although I have to wonder, Elsie, I, I, you do a lot more research on this kind of stuff than I do. Um, when an author is making a statement like this in a dystopian world, is it to say that, like, is it to imply a slippery slope? Like, if we let the second wave feminists keep doing this then we'll leave, then that'll get us right into the republic of gilead definitely
0: Well I think her point is more that like I think she perceives her audience as being people who are somewhat politically aligned with her you the people who are 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 allowing this to to happen um hmm who are, are, are allying yourselves with these these Christian right-wingers, you're going to, to end up in a Gilead situation. These people, at the end of the day, do not have your best wishes at heart. Um, and I think it's also a call-out of the way that some people talk about Um, situations in places like Iran and Saudi Arabia where you have these so-called women's cultures where the genders are so segregated that there are sort of these very intense women's spaces that sometimes get, I I don't know how to say, um, uh, glorified in the West um, as being somewhat feminist and really Atwood is saying, no, they're not. It's horrible. These women have really quite restricted freedom of movement. Um, and just because you're not getting wolf-whistled at doesn't mean you're not oppressed.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, what what it seems you're saying is the Handmaid's Tale itself is just a giant call-out post of second-wave feminism.
0: Yes. I mean, it's also a giant call-out post of, of the, the Christian right. It's important to remember that as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I would assume, given, <laughs> given what Gilead is like, but yeah. Um, and... I have to wonder in that same regard and how it, I, I have to wonder in how its treatment of our pregnant uh, character in this, uh, Janine. Um,
0: yeah, they're all just sort of salivating around her.
1: I, I have to wonder, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is the kind of resentment that comes from both going out to the public while you're pregnant, and also the women around you resenting you and you welcoming that, is that actually a product of internalized misogyny?
0: I don't know. Um, I mean, because it kind of makes sense that these women are, are, are being somewhat resentful. Um, to a certain degree, like, their jealousy is, is, is somewhat warranted. Um, mm-hmm. Because for, for them, I think it's, it's, it's life or death. Uh, it, it whether or really not they is. get pregnant so the, the women who get pregnant it means that they get to survive and so they are the object of much jealousy
1: um, I mean I guess I, what I was thinking was because we come from a time of like the quest to impregnate a woman is so valuable in this society that is composed that in, in this one pocket is composed of women in just this one moment wherein yeah. That commodification is so important to social status that it becomes, like, the subject of the entire person, like, visited, like, the entire person. Well, but
0: it's not, it's not social status, because it's not that Janine now holds a higher rank than the other women, it's that Janine isn't gonna get sent to the colonies. I mean,
1: Um, weird flex, but okay, Janice
0: well but it's it's that she's escaped a death sentence essentially, and so these other women are trying to 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 escape as well um and so of course they're gonna be jealous, and of course they're gonna be somewhat upset um and like. I mean part of it I think is offered does read in a sort of smugness to Janine that may or may not be there, so for example, she describes the the pregnant belly as swelling triumphantly
1: <laughs> that is an, like i gotta say that is an amazing uh adverb triumph like to to describe a pregnant woman as swelling triumphantly is is a hell of a turn i gotta say
0: um and someone's like. And there's another bit where she says, uh, Janine looks at me and then around the corners of her mouth there's a trace of a smirk, which like, at that point that may or may not actually be there, but Alfred perceives it as being there and perceives Janine as being intensely smug. Um, And... Also, Offred has reason to not like Janine because, um, she was one of Aunt Lydia's pets. Which I assume means she's sort of a teacher's pet type deal. Yeah, And no one likes a teacher's pet, especially at the re-education center.
1: And, uh, of co- I mean, that, you know, in all this, we're not even, like, and, you know, even in this one interaction, you know, of the sw- of the pregnant woman swelling triumphantly, we haven't even, like, mentioned the fact that they're, like, that in this very chapter we are also shown certain ranks of wives, like the Akana wives, which Yes. sounds like a ska band from the late 80s. Like, honestly. <laughs> um, these women are not divided into functions. They have to do everything if they can. Sometimes there is a woman all in black, a widow. There used to be more of them, but they seem to be diminishing. That ain't good.
0: Yeah, my reading of this line is that these women's husbands are dying, and so they get reassigned. And so there are no new econo wives. The econo wives are all women who were married when like Gilead, when America became Gilead. So Gilead didn't like nullify their marriages, but they were still married to low ranking men who would not have wives otherwise. Mm -hmm. This is all fan speculation. Um, so like they're, they're essentially married to soldiers who may die. And so then they become widows and they're sort of, sometimes there are are these widows out and about and those are diminishing, which sort of implies that these women are either getting sent to the colonies or they're being made into Martha's or handmaids or wives.
1: Yeah. Um, it just seems like it's just always about reassignment, always about yes. retitling. And of course.
0: Well, because the the women are utilities to be assigned.
1: Yeah, which you know, which then brings us to the next sentence. You don't see the commanders' wives on the sidewalks, only in cars. It's like they're yeah. precious cargo.
0: Yeah. Well, the, and also they're they're members of the aristocracy, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um Why would they they dirty themselves by walking in the street?
1: I mean, yeah, they could get their shoes dirty. Yeah. <laughs> That's totally what she meant.
0: Also, I think it's 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 a certain degree dangerous. Um, yeah.
1: I mean. I would you know, like for the for the resentment aimed at uh at Janine, I mean I don't even know if a commander's wife is like yeah, you said she's not safe out there. Like
0: yeah, well, cuz like when we leave the 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 compound, there are like checkpoints and whatnot. So it sort of implies that the the commanders are under a certain level of threat, and I assume that their wives are seen as as valuable targets.
1: I also yeah, um if I may move forward in the chapter. Um All right. I want I would like to visit a habit <laughs> and
0: yes habits are hard to break
1: <laughs> that's just that's just a nice turn of phrase I, I just appreciate that um,
0: I'm honestly a little confused how they converted a theater into a clothing store
1: yeah I, oh. I mean it's it's a weird choice of a redecoration but if it works it works
0: yeah um for for the listeners at home who care about cambridge uh most conjecture has this as being the brattle theater um i've been there before it's a movie theater i don't know how they would like turn it into like and like it has sort of like a stage as well like it's it's a legitimate like th- theater um i i don't know how they would turn it into a clothing store
1: hmm, yeah um Every spring they had a Humphrey Bogart festival with Lauren Bacall yeah. or Catherine Hepburn. Women on their own. I have
0: not been to the Humphrey Bogart festival. I'm not sure if they even still have it.
1: Yeah. Quite a festival, I assume. You know, women on their own making up their minds. Alfred's yeah. like thinking a lot about choice, a lot about autonomy, a lot about, yeah. And well, how much she misses you know. it. And I don't blame her at all because I love choice. I love the freedom
0: I I am not being wasted. Why then do I want?
1: <laughs> that's wow. Not, that's a, that's a good callback. It's a good callback.
0: I mean, that's the she she wants the the one thing she no longer has, which is choice.
1: Yeah. Also, I'm um, I don't know when they stopped having the festival. I must have been grown up. That's like. Uh, That just spoke to me, because I feel like we all pay attention a lot more to our environments and, like, what's going on when we're a kid than when we're an adult, right? Like, that's that's not like a Galadian, like, you know, I must have been grown up, so I didn't notice. Like, oh, no, it's just, like, that's just, like, a very normal thing. Um, Yeah,
0: and it's it's her trying to pick out the the landmarks from this area that she can recognize.
1: And then she goes, then she makes a grand pilgrimage to the land of milk and honey. Which is... Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I just... I, I, I appreciate that because... Um,
0: yeah, the, the, the names are wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, my family was on a vacation and we passed a restaurant that was called Loaves and Fishes. And I was like, Mom, it's called Loaves and Fishes. And my mother was like, stop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, um, which, go, which then brings us into this this crazy, like, discussion of oranges and supplies... Which is, yeah, yeah again, I, I like yeah. all the world building, as usual, the world building is great. Yeah,
0: we, we find out that there's a civil war going on, and there was something about South America.
1: Yeah. Central, Central America has lost to the Liberthe... Libertheos? Libertheos? I'm not sure. The war interferes with the Oranges from California, and even Florida isn't dependable. When there are roadblocks, or when the train tracks have been blown up, even Florida isn't dependable! Oh no! It will be something, and a small achievement. I, to have
0: I, I, I googled uh, Liberitos to see if it was um, something real, and all of the results are Handmaid's Tale related, but one referenced it as a liberation theology that was an influential movement within the Roman Catholic Church in the 80s.
1: Oh, wow.
0: It essentially, it's it's a, a Marxist ideology. Yeah. Um, do you want me to talk about my favorite line? Yes, yes please.
1: I don't want to, like, just shove you around the chapter or anything. Please.
0: My favorite line is, Gilead is within you, which is something that Aunt Lydia says. Um, oh, my God.
1: <laughs> if I may pull back the card, literally right before we started recording, I just made that funny joke, you know, Gilead is within you, and uh, I did not know it was your favorite line. That was, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I think I think it's sort of the epitome of what Aunt Lydia represents. Um because you you see in this chapter, especially uh she'll think of something, and Aunt Lydia's voice just appears in the back of her head to say something for her,
1: yeah, which is um, the goal. can we okay, yeah, Elsie this is so a...
0: even the degree to which like offered remembers and rebels in all these small little ways. The re-education did work. Aunt Lydia's teachings are are embedded within her.
1: Mm -hmm. This is a weird question, Elsie. But maybe... Go on. Does Aunt Lydia actually exist? Yes. Okay. Or is that just kind of a name that they give to the person who kind of brainwashes the handmaids? Like, and gives them this eerie, like, voice in the back of their head?
0: Well, I mean... Aunt Lydia is implied not to actually be her real name, in the same way that, like, Alfred's real name isn't Alfred.
1: Hmm. Yeah, just like, or like, Martha's not real name. They're probably not all named Martha. Yes. Well, the Marthas
0: aren't called Martha. Right, yeah. We, we get actual names for the Marthas, oh. which doesn't completely make sense. Because um, the the Marthas and Alfred's house are named Rita and Cora.
1: Right right <laughs> first time first time reader folks first time reader
0: yeah like she she talks a, when she's talking about how like no one whistles immediately you have aunt lydia being like there's more than one kind of freedom um
1: which is i was thinking about and, this. it's basically like saying good job on not doing something you know <laughs> you get yeah you, you have the freedom to not well, do this it's like that but doesn't mean have, anything they have
0: the freedom from being being wolf whistled at and being cat called yeah.
1: they have the freedom from uh uh being murdered great yes. that's a fan... I'm really glad that they have that freedom Well, but
0: like it is a, a freedom from, but they're losing as well their freedom too
1: yes that and that yeah
0: um
1: it's same you know yeah. don't comment somebody by saying you didn't do this it, it never works it doesn't actually it, it's it's not like. It's the same thing of, like, it's meaningless to give, you know, it's just meaningless drivel.
0: And, like, when she's talking about the Humphrey Bogart Festival and she's talking about these women choosing whether or not to have sex, because she says that these women could be undone or not, they seem to be able to choose. We seem to be able to choose then. Immediately it's Aunt Lydia being like, we were society dying of too much choice. That it's just, it's all written in, the the back of her head, and she can't escape it. Gilead lives within her.
1: If I may, Elsie, and I don't want to get yes. too much of a tangent, because I really do want to talk about the end of this chapter. But is it not? I keep thinking about Aunt Leah's line, we were society dying of too much choice. I think there's a kernel of truth to that, in a way that maybe Atwood didn't even intend. Like, we live... Oh god! I was about to say we live in a society. unironically. Um, <laughs> we twenty nineteen. For all that it is, is also is a, is a modern society is very complicated, and then it becomes yes. more individualistic, and it becomes less easy to find your own voice. There are so many different places Harder, to go. Even. Where do you like? Where do you? What do you choose? So I don't know, yeah. I'm not sure we're, if we're dying from too much choice. Now you know, the climate change will do that for us. But I think <laughs> what she means, I, I, no, no, I think what she's saying is not untrue. I think we are, we do, like, our sense of agency depletes when we have so much choice that we barely know what to do. I mean, I'm sure we've, even in like, on a personal micro level, I'm sure that we've all had the thing where we have a choice to deal with all sorts of things in our personal lives and we get the anxiety and we don't do any of it. <laughs> happened to me the other day. Yeah,
0: and it's it, it's interesting because this rhetorical choice is one that is definitely made by people who are trying to sell traditionalism to women. The argument mm-hmm. usually follows that actually it's really hard and really stressful to, to have the pressure on you both to raise a family and have a career and have all this going on. Wouldn't you rather be a mother?
1: Yeah. Isn't it nice just to um, sit back and you know there is uh, there, okay I'm not going to say like I'm not going to be like that is a good point no that what I mean is it is not <laughs> there's there's a truth to yeah. it
0: it is hard to to have to to like you know have a career yeah um, I
1: might have mentioned this on a on an episode before but I think a lot about nostalgia and how, we look and how people like say, like Man, high school, middle school is the greatest years of your life. And obviously it's not. People are not, not nostalgic to the actual so concept of high school. But I think what they are nostalgic for is the order. That you got up, yeah. you knew exactly where you were going, you knew exactly what you were going to do, and you knew where you were going to be in a year, in two years, and three years. As a young adult in, uh, in the frantic uh, Los Angeles scene, it's really hard to know where I'm going to be in a month. And I do look back on the idea of order. And stability, and it is so enticing. It's so, like, it. I miss it, and I, and I understand where that, like, wh- where they can, where traditionalist opportunists can sneak in that rhetoric in there to make it sound enticing. So I get that.
0: Oh yeah, and I, I there's there's this study called the um, the paradox of declining female happiness, um, and basically, women's happiness has been declining since the 1970s. Um, and people have all sorts of different theories, but the, the main one that people like to say is that it's feminism's fault.
1: I was about to make um, a joke about that, but then I'm like, oh God, I guess the joke's already going to tell itself.
0: Yeah. No, if people actually think it's, it's feminism's fault. And I'm like, well, maybe there is some truth to that. Uh, because if it was the, if we were living in the 1950s or 60s, I've got it made. Like... I am a a, a size four, I have a, a stable relationship with a guy who has good career prospects. You know, yeah. why would I need to even try in school? Why would I be killing myself doing all these projects? I could just be a nice, like, housewife. Like, why would I have any level of, like, anxiety or sadness? I think
1: what's funny about this example is that you dress up like you're from the 50s a lot.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> my my roommate has called me a, a uh, recreational conservative. <laughs> That's, um, that is I, genius. I, 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 believe in bringing back the 1950s but only for recreational purposes we should bring back sock hops and soda parlors and 1950s clothing but we should leave all the bigotry and and racism and sexism and homophobia behind
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i was
0: bring back the aesthetics and the fun
1: bring black bring back pleasantville without the racism
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, no. The, There's no I, I reason that 1950- we can't
0: have 1950s clothing without the racism, guys. Yeah,
1: like I'm, I, I'm of the, the opinion that the 1950s are one of the scariest times in American history. But like, oh yeah, yeah, only on an abstract like, surrealist kind of level of like, oh my god, everybody's just. Every, it's like when you watch. It's like when you hear about people like who re- record somebody like b- like beating somebody to death. Like we just like that's what the 1950s is in a nutshell. Like it is pass passivity to uh like to horror you know
0: yeah well but it's it's but beyond that i mean you people who are living in the 1950s lived in a constant fear of nuclear war Mm -hmm. um and we think of it as being so silly now that 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 was the case but like if you grew up in that period uh, there had been two world wars and there was no reason to believe that there wouldn't be a third one yeah and the two great powers both have nuclear weapons so nuclear war was coming yeah any day now
1: that's um that's something that I've um, actually become more accustomed to learning about in like like nowadays is that it i guess it really just was so easy to assume yeah Somebody's going to drop the bomb. And apparently we got pretty close. Like, at one point we got really close. Oh,
0: yeah. No, there's, like, several close calls. Um, but back to the book, I think this sort of yeah. relates to the the eeriness of Cambridge in Gilead. That she describes it as um, there's an absence of people. um, The same air of being asleep, the street is almost a museum or a street in a model town constructed to show the way people used to live. As in those pictures, those museums, those model towns, there are no children. Huh. And you just, you get this feeling of like this suburb where you're walking down the street and you can't hear anyone and everything is perfectly maintained.
1: Aren't there, this is really, okay... Really strange tangent, but weren't there, like, actual towns that were made just entirely of, like, mannequins that were, like, test setups for things? Oh, yeah. Like, that, like, and they were designed in the 50s? Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
0: Um, I mean, this, this image sort of falls apart when you know what Cambridge looks like, because Cambridge looks sort of like, like, it's a European city design. There's, like, cobblestone streets and stuff.
1: Oh, Interesting.
0: Um, I mean, not, like, entirely, but, like, it's really, there's no parking, it's really hard to drive there, you have to take the trains, um, it's, it's decently urban, it's not, um, it, it, it looks like a European city, it's, it's sort of, it's not, like, an American suburb, which is what she's sort of describing here.
1: Interesting. Now, Um, if I may ask, Elsie, um... Yes. How... I don't mean to, like, ask for spoilers or anything. How dramatically do you think The Handmaid's Tale would change as a story if it took took place in another region of the United States? Under the same circumstances, same characters and everything, would you think the story would be any different? Because it sounds like it would be. Well,
0: I'm not sure... Because I feel like part of the undercurrent is this return to Puritan simplicity. And we see this especially with the stores. Because the stores can't have um, labels on them that say loaves and fishes. Because women aren't allowed to read. So instead there are these wooden signs with illustrations. Which is like, it's very colonial. um, Like American colonial. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you've ever been to like... Uh, Like, the Plymouth has, like, it's, like, living museum where there are actors pretending to be the pilgrims. Um, And you can, like, totally see it as sort of this, like, old-timey Boston thing.
1: Fascinating. Um,
0: So there's stuff like that. And we'll see, I think, next chapter um, references to Puritans. Um, So there's stuff like that. But... Other than that, I can't think of anything that is uniquely New England about it. Does
1: anybody reference I mean, clam I, chowder?
0: <laughs> there's, there are no clam chowder references, to the best of my memory.
1: Inaccurate. This is this is not...
0: I mean, to be <laughs> fair, I didn't have clam chowder until I was like 17, despite living in Boston From my what entire I understand, life.
1: That was probably for the best.
0: No, <laughs> no, no, no. I had good, when I had clam chowder at seventeen. I was like, this is, some, this is some good stuff. I like it.
1: Huh? Because everybody in the West, uh, West well, part of the states. Well, you haven't had Boston
0: clam chowder. Yeah. And like it was also it was clam chowder from like Legal Seafoods, which is like a nice seafood restaurant in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um. So like it was good clam chowder. It wasn't like from a buffet or something. Interesting. We're really all now, over the place tonight.
1: <laughs> no, it's good, because you know who might enjoy having clam chatter while they're in New England? Who? Tourists. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Which brings us to right. the
1: final bit, and probably, like, my I think what makes the chapter for me, definitely. Like, I, I mean, obviously, like, everything coming oh, up Oh, I have this, one more like,
0: thing I wanted to say about rural simplicity. Okay, go for it, yeah. Um... We see a reference also to the fact that they don't have plastic stuff anymore; that the meat is like wrapped in paper, um, which the television adaptation takes to another degree and is like, "Oh, Gilead's like environmentally conscious," oh, which is a weird tack. That, but that is a
1: weird, like, we don't we don't want to agree with anything Gilead does, do we? Like, if they're being like, if, if if the Republic of Gilead was like. Using green energy, I don't know if, I mean, <laughs> like, if they, were using, if they were using solar panels, wouldn't that kind of be bad for, like, the progressive values that the show is trying to perhaps
0: promote? I don't know, but it's, it's just a thing in the show. Um,
1: it's like when you're trying yeah, to say that, like, something. Yeah, like, we've
0: returned to, like, simplicity, and you have plastic wrapping on the meat.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: But we can we can we can go to the 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 tourists. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's okay that we're all over the place tonight. It's all good. It's all good. Um so Elsie. Yes. <laughs> I, I have you ever interacted with tourists before? Just like as like a resident? Has anybody else like has any tourists come up to you and like acted in a very tourist kind of way?
0: I mean, I've had people ask for directions and stuff like that, but nothing too weird. Um, I have a friend who goes to MIT, and he said that there are tourists who will, like, grab you and try to take a picture with you if you're wearing an MIT sweatshirt on their campus.
1: Huh. So they won't be Uh, like, excuse me, they're asking if they can take your picture. They wouldn't be like that?
0: Well, I think they would do that, but also they'd be like, come take a picture with my son. And it's just, it's, the, like, the idea of, like, that to me is just so weird. It's like
1: you're a prop that, like, you're supposed to yeah. represent the place.
0: Yeah, that, like, there's a lot of, um, like, I don't want to stereotype here, but, like, Chinese tourists who get very excited by MIT and, like, want to take pictures with MIT students, apparently. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, um,
0: I don't know. Perhaps my friend was messing with me. Yeah. Um, but the, the college campuses in, in Boston, of, of Harvard and MIT, are tourist attractions for no good reason. There's nothing good to see there. I don't understand why people want to go visit those campuses. They're not particularly exciting.
1: Yeah. Somebody lives in LA, a uh, popular tourist destination. Tourists, tourism just makes everything more expensive. That's really just the yes. end of it. People are more I, that's, willing that's to. that's p- also true. Yeah, and I just, I don't dislike tourists, I just like tourism and what it does to my wallet. So, <laughs> um, the ever-extending flow of, uh, capitalism as it pertains to visitors. So, when we have these tourists show up and, and, and <laughs> see Offred, these these tourists from the, the wonderful land of Japan, uh, perhaps, it looks like, we're not sure.
0: Well, it's there. There might be a trade delegation. We're not a hundred percent sure.
1: Yeah. So there are so many questions. So many questions that come to my mind. Not like all right. Not like w- I don't get it. More so. Whenever I'm like visit, like whenever I'm like in, uh, like experiencing a dystopian world or a world that is changed by something, I'm always very hesitant about what the rest of the world looks like. If it's very contained in like one city, I just I I don't get a clear picture of how the actual world is because. Yeah. Yeah. And so what brings me to this, what in the world is going on outside of Gilead? Is everything else the same? I would assume not. But, like, is uh, is Japan or this trade, like, is everybody under the same sort of totalitarian rule? I guess not.
0: Yeah, like, Japan clearly is not operating under a theocracy, um, which would, like, be insane if they were, because Japan is a religiously weird place. Yeah, it-
1: it very much is, yeah, but I also like then I thing I used to dress like that, that was freedom, westernized they used to call it, oh man, yep given given uh you're not uh given our understanding of using the West in any context is is very funny in this case, it's very uh yeah, weird, weirdly fitting and funny in this case,
0: um, and I think this is this is especially a, a call out of of Iran where um like. Iran was pretty westernized when the revolution happened,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and I, I, I don't know, but I assume this is somewhat a, a call out of people being like, "Well, it's good they're returning to their indigenous culture."
1: Mm. Oof,
0: mm. <laughs> it's
1: gonna be a no for me too. Um, and what he, what makes things even worse for all this is the fact that this, this just like you know, this group. The book implies that it's it could just all be a hoax, right? That these are all. What do you mean? That they're all eyes, correct? Or
0: no, no, that the the, interpreters. the, the translator is an eye, which makes sense.
1: Yeah, uh, that, yeah, that's what I mean. Like this could all just be kind of an elaborate, like maybe not hoax, but just.
0: I don't. I don't think it's a trap. I think the the legitimately, you would want a member of the secret police with the delegation. Um just in case someone tries to, like, defect to the delegation or something.
1: Hmm. Okay, yeah, um, I see that. I thought it was a weird—I th- I got a sense of paranoia, but I guess it's just more so just—it's uh, not—
0: I, It I is paranoia, but, like, I think that the, the tourists aren't placed there as a trap for Alfred. I think that they're legitimately a trade delegation. A tourist They just so tra- happen to be— <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, boy. I... <laughs> The, they just so happen to be accompanied by a member of the secret police because that's that's how you do it. Um, yeah, I think it's relatively similar to uh, if you go and visit North Korea, you'll be accompanied by a handler who makes sure that you don't see anything you're not supposed to see.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think mentioned this earlier, but um, e- like, is it possible, Elsie, that this is not this is not uh, I don't want to say ni's like. You know what I mean, though? Like, it's possible this is just a translator, correct? Interpreter.
0: Possibly. Who knows?
1: But of course, as long as you make sure that everybody thinks that everybody else is uh, is a spy, you're good. You can control them all. Yeah. I, I think this is, this is ground we've already covered before, but that is... I only see that's genius in how simple it is, not in how it's, like, actually good. It, it's it's not. It's bad. I gotta be careful with how I compliment the totalitarian rule. That's... It's, it's It's genius from the perspective of just simple like how to manipulate the masses it's not actually good by any means
0: it's like the drill tweet
1: um that is my favorite opening to any sentence see you 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 uh you walk around this world and you say this is just like the handmaid's tale me i walk around going this is just like that drill tweet
0: uh, issuing a correction on my on a previous post of mine regarding the terror group ISIL, you do not under any circumstances gotta <laughs> hand it to them.
1: That's right. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> you do not gotta hand it to.
0: So Max, issuing a yeah. correction on my previous statement.
1: Yeah. Uh, you do not have the to Tatarian say-
0: The Italian regime, uh, Gilead, you under no circumstances gotta hand it to them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what, I'm- I think we should insert one drill tweet every five chapters or so. I think that's just good for our, uh, for our, read, for our uh, reading experience.
0: I mean, he's- he's truly the, the Shakespeare of our time. Yeah,
1: truly the only good Twitter user ever. He's Um. he's
0: the best. Uh, Yeah. And again, we see the Lydia, Aunt Lydia in her ear because the interpreter asks um, if the tourists can take a picture of her. And she shakes her head. um, And it's like, I also know better than to say yes. Modesty is is invisibility, said Aunt Lydia. Never forget it. To be seen, to be seen, is to be, in her voice trembled, penetrated. You must be girls impenetrable. I'd like um, to start a petition
1: to never use penet- penetration in any context ever again. And it's, like, it's also,
0: just, like, deeply ironic.
1: Yeah. Given what their job is. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I'm, I just like a weird grammar thing that, that stands out to me, just capitalizing yes. I just I find that interesting. I don't know i mean i know it's just like Um. it's basically the same thing as putting quotation marks around yes but i feel like it would kind of ruin the flow a little bit because it's not you know because
0: wait you mean the line i also know better than to say yes yes huh it's not capitalized in my edition
1: whoa (laughs) i really hope that's the only discrepancy we come across one should hope so wait Um. that might just be a stupid typo all right yeah authorial intense ladies and gentlemen and those beyond like <laughs> yeah the fact okay and i think this does also call back the indi- the idea of uh, the you must be impenetrable perhaps the idea of being uh like what's the right term a flower right
0: yeah well that and you can't be seen
1: yeah you must be modest but also sexy enough to warrant uh baby making okay, i guess
0: yes well but the Baby making is not a sexual act; it's purely procreative. But yeah, and I think that again we see this like intensely direct parallel to um, uh, Islamic custom. With the uh, he'll be telling him telling them that the women here have different customs; that to stare at them through the lens of a camera is for them an experience of violation.
1: Mm
0: hmm. Um, which. Is is true for some very devout Muslims?
1: Hmm. What's interesting is the fact that she uses Japanese. Like you know, they might be Japanese and they might not be. It's interesting because Japanese culture is kind of built on something like a, of an honor structure, where that kind of gesture could also be seen as something dishonorable. Like, not I'm not sure if it is refusing I, I...
0: the photo or
1: or yeah, or 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 like even taking one. Like ah. Uh. Japan is kind of like, yeah, it has that infused kind of thing. It's, it's...
0: Well, but also you have to keep in mind that this is being written in the 80s when Japanese tourists are extraordinarily common.
1: I see, yeah, that's true, too.
0: Because of the post-war economic miracle.
1: <laughs> I was, I, huh, And you go study that because...
0: I, I was referencing the history of Japan.
1: Oh, um, that's...
0: Yeah, no, in the in the 80s Japan was uh had a lot of economic growth. They were the the big tech hub.
1: Japanophobia, that's right. There was a lot um, of that in and so, America, yeah.
0: Yeah, there were there was like a lot of Japanese tourists in in major metropolises um then of course the the Japanese economy has a has new issues and they they're having all sorts of other social issues so they're not as ubiquitous as the the big group of of tourists um which is why in the one of the audio adaptations um from the early 2000s they're changed to chinese tourists
1: interesting um, which is that's
0: and i i think if this was written today they would be chinese
1: tourists oh that's fascinating i huh yeah um, if we may close things out, um, he asks, "Are you happy?" <laughs> oh
0: man, this is like my favorite part of like
1: just. Please indulge. It's one indulge. of my, my
0: favorite parts of the novel. It's just so good.
1: On the surface, it sounds so simple, like you know, "Are you happy?" And you're like, "Oh man, that's a really broad question." But it's also like, yeah, that. it's like well, how it's like, you know. The these these people can.
0: Can see that there's something wrong here, and they want to know: Are these women happy with their situation? But you can't just fucking ask people <laughs> if they're happy. Yeah. Like
1: it's like when, it's like when you know a friend's going through some really tough times. And you're like, "Are you okay?" And it's like, doesn't help. It, 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 I mean, you you well, know. But
0: I feel like it. It's it, it's just it's the sort of propaganda move where there's. I, <laughs> But they're like, "Well, we asked the women and they said that they don't want rights."
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean like like the, the you know, these tourists can go back and be like, "Well, I mean, they say they're happy, so I guess it's okay." What are we going to do? Yeah. It just it's not even like it's it's propagandistic in that it doesn't need like it's it promotes the, like the the republic without even like trying. It's just a self it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. We're not happy. But when somebody asks if we're happy, we know that we can't say that. Otherwise, we will be unhappy. We'll be even worse. So we just say, Yeah, no, we're fine. And they'll be like, Okay, well, we won't do anything about it. And it's like, Oh, yeah. It repeats.
0: And it's just Avglen who's standing silently beside her, and they're both just like, This is really awkward. We don't know what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And Alfred says, Yes, we are very happy. I murmur, I have to say something. What else can I say? Ugh. Uh. Mm. It's just so good. Yeah.
1: It's powerful and dark in uh yeah in, like and I'm like totally floored by how floored I'm totally like engaged with yeah. how Atwood just keeps giving us more reasons to like believe that there is no hope left in this place that every yeah, at every just, turn it's
0: so simple yeah, but so perfect
1: that when given the ability to look outside of Gilead to see Again, we're not sure. We may Maybe they're not from China, Japan, or whatever. They might just be from a trade delegation. But to see these eyes... Sorry. To see these people have their eyes on Offred. And when asked, are you happy with anything that's going on? And when we have every reason to know that she's not, we know that she can't say yes. We yeah. know that she can't say, no, this is, this is you know, this is fine. We, we know she has to say that. Because that is the level of thick control that is just, like, that is soaked up everything, every part of Gilead. And that's, like, that's the darkest thing you could think of, sort of.
0: Yeah, and, like, you see, I love the way that she describes the women of the delegation and how uncomfortable she is um, about, like, the the women are wearing short skirts, which is to say they're wearing like over the knee length skirts, and like the description of the lipstick, um, they wear lipstick red, outlining the damp cavities of their mouths like scrawls on the washroom wall of the time before. And there's just sort of this like weird horror at the sight of yeah. these women. That, like, it seems so unnatural, but, like, they can't look away, and they're like, this is what life used to be, and it doesn't feel like this anymore.
1: It's like. I, you know. I want to say it's like. What's the right word? When she starts talking about, like, the smell. Like, when she says the smell of nail polish has made me hungry, it's like. Yeah. Ugh. I mean. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's it's like such small things she longs for, doing laundry and wearing nail polish.
1: Good lord.
0: Yeah, it's it's a truly quite uplifting book, guys. Yeah, it's
1: um, you know how the Lego Movie Two ends? Just like that. <laughs> um, this, and I think I just immediately dated this episode. <laughs> Um, This was such a good chapter. Such a good chapter.
0: Oh, it's one of my favorites. I mean, to be fair,
1: there haven't been any bad chapters so far, and I mean, I don't yes. know if there really will be one, because I don't know if that's even, like, I, I don't know how to judge something that's bad from something I just don't, like, that doesn't click.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that this chapter is when, when things start to really start up. I mean, we get the first mentions of, of her child, and of Moira... Mm-hmm. Um, because she looks around for Moira in the store, uh, and she talks about plastic bags and how Luke was really concerned that her daughter would, um, grab at the plastic bags and kill herself.
1: Yeah. Did um, you ever get that warning in, uh, in elementary school? Yes. Yeah, me too. Uh, when I was <laughs> in Hebrew school and I had my plastic, like, temple bag or whatever... And we put it on over our heads, like, don't do that. You can't, you <laughs> shouldn't do that. I'm like, oh, I didn't know it killed me. I don't think that plastic bag was the one they were talking about, because there was clearly yeah. an opening at the bottom that was, like, enough to breathe. But I, I, I appreciate the, the, the teachable lesson there.
0: Um, so we, we've started, I think, I think we've met most of the, the characters that are going to come to define this story.
1: Oh, man, the cast. Everyone yeah. is here. I'm excited. Um, I mean, so. I'm mean, excited to, you know what I mean. <laughs> it's really hard to be excited to read this book because, I mean, I am, but also, whew, it's a lot to take yeah. in. Dig in. Th- thank you for listening. Um, you can find us every Tuesday right here on, um, right here on whatever <laughs> podcast service you're listening to.
0: And you can find us on Twitter. I am at the Muse Sappho and he is at Max Mariner. That's Mariner with two R's, right? Mm-hmm.
1: It's at Mr. Max Mariner. It's M R Oh, it's at Mr. Max
0: Mariner. Name. I'm I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, it's all and good. you can find me on YouTube as Sappho of Lesbos.
1: And you can find me on YouTube as just Max Mariner. I like to keep it consistent.
0: Yeah. Good branding. Um, our music is by Daniel Shariat.
1: And our uh, logo and branding is by Sydney Elliott.
0: May the Lord open.